I want to spend some time this morning uh, talking about the kingdom of God. As I've mentioned regularly, I use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for prayer in my life. If I have any question of where do I go, this is where I start. And uh, in that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, um, I sometimes go, well, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, great, going to pray it, but how, how does that apply? And uh, so I've, over the last two months, I've been just kind of reacquainting myself with that. And not done yet, but uh, I'll share part of what I've found. And then um, you may hear some more of it. You may not. I'm not sure. But uh, when I was uh, looking at, at things like with Malawi and trying to understand the country, one of the things that came out is that they were still in kind of a tribal system, but they were making that bridge to other, other things. But in a tribal system, you're basically related to everyone else, and there's a, a, a head of the tribe, so to speak, but it's a, it's a relational thing. Uh, the children of Israel, when they went into Egypt, it was essentially a small tribe. They came out of that nation size. Not everyone was related, but they, they were a people group at that point. And regularly, you move through seasons then of, you know, when a group gets that large, where it's either kind of a self-rule with judges, you know, different people rising up, or but often it moves into a kingdom where you have a strong man that takes over and rules the people. And throughout our world, there are still kingdoms where a king rules. And, and there's this tension because oftentimes it's the strong man that uh, might is right. They do whatever they want. They force obedience. There, there's a, 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 a dominant, powerful force, and, and this kingdom spreads itself, and depending on how eager they are to grow, you know, they conquer other peoples and bring them into that group. And yet, when we look at the kingdom of God, there was a promise in Israel's history that was saying, there's going to be a good king that's going to rule forever. And so that's connected to all this. But I, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But when we look at the kingdom of God, I want you to recognize that there is an internal side of this where God has conquered sin. He has washed away our sin. He has given us new life. So there's an internal aspect of the kingdom of God. There's an outward manifestation where we are taking on the powers of darkness and there is, in a sense, a conquering going on where things are changed in the setting around us. But also then there is this future hope of a kingdom be established through Jerusalem that is still talked about through the Old Testament Scriptures primarily, but also brought into the New a hope that's laid out in store for a 
physical kingdom in this world, and then there's also this eternal kingdom that we want to be a part of. So it's not just a simple concept. It has numerous dynamics that we grab onto. And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying and asking the Lord, which aspect of this are you wanting to speak to me about, and how do you want my prayers to go? Is it this internal thing where you're wanting to work in me and bring a transition? Is it through my life that you want to bring some light into darkness in, the, in this area around me? Does it have to do with your marching forward and bringing the kingdoms of the earth in submission to you? Or is it this eternal thing where you already are ruling in heaven and so you're, you're, you're causing me this longing for that rule to be established over all things? And in different seasons... He'll speak to us different things. But it's all associated this kingdom. Uh, let's go through some of the scripture. This being the Christmas season. Remember the, the wise men, the magi? They go to Herod, the ruler of the area, the king, and they're going, who's this new king that's been born? And he's freaked out. Well, what are you talking about? But they aren't, they aren't going and worshiping wanting to worship Him, they're recognizing there's a dynamic that goes beyond the ordinary. They didn't leave home to just worship some little new king that, you know, or, or some other king. But they recognize in the heavenlies, something is being done that goes way beyond the normal. And so they've walked their way following this star, recognizing the God of the heavens has declared something that's taking place here on earth. The eternal has manifest something in the physical. And they're recognizing that as unusual and different than anything else. And they said, who is this? We want to worship him. And so they've come from a great distance. They're not worshiping Herod. They're not worshiping the the rulers in the area, they're not worshiping every other king that they stop through the, the kingdoms. But they recognize something unusual is transpiring and they say, we, we need to be a part of this. We need to connect here. Back in Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a world ruler, had a, a dominant kingdom over a large geographical area got proud, and then, you know, God told him, you're going to pay for this. You remember, he goes and lives like an animal for seven years. And when he comes out of that, he makes this declaration, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, his dominion endures from generation to generation. He's talking of God. The greatest ruler on earth is saying, God has authority over me. God has authority over all the kingdoms of this earth. He rules in a way that, that can't be put off by the kings of the earth. He's recognizing, even though he was the most powerful man on earth, he's going, I'm nothing in comparison to him. And he makes this declaration of his rule going on from generation to generation. Paul has almost a, a, a similar concept when he makes this declaration to believers, and he's saying, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except for God, 
And for those that exist, have been instituted by God. You know, we get really caught up in the politics of our day, and it's easy to trash everyone in leadership, right? And to be upset and frustrated and angry. But bottom line is, as believers, we don't have a right to just say, well, whatever. But really, it becomes a responsibility of us to uplift those authorities in prayer and say, God, give them wisdom, give them insights that go beyond themselves, cause them to do things that they don't even anticipate in you. But Lord, work in, in our people. We, we pray that for our own blessing. Um, that, that tension, though, that comes up when, when we look at things like this and go, you know what? I'm glad I didn't vote for that man because what he's doing really upsets me. Or we go, I'm glad I voted for him, but it was the lesser of two evils. Or, you know you, how you get into these games, and, and it's like, no, what we're a part of is much, much bigger. And, and so we have a responsibility in the Lord to say, you're still over this thing. Don't always get it, but you're over it. And so help us to see and to, to affect the areas that we can and pray for your blessing and, and your, in, your wisdom for others. Jesus explained the tension when he says, you know, he gave this parable and he says, a man went out to sow seed, he scattered good seed, and then during the night an enemy came and sowed weeds. And he makes a declaration, he says, they're going to grow up together. They didn't the choice was made not to just go in and pull out the weeds because it would destroy a lot of the good crops. And he says, what's going to happen at the end of time is that there's going to be a separation. And so even when we look around us and we say, there's a lot of stupid things happening in this world, a lot of evil things, and yet there's this knowledge at the end of time, it is put in order. And, and there is a separation that will take place. That said, and knowing that there are times when rulers rise up who are, are brutal and evil, and recognizing that often kingdoms are held together by wickedness and, and just might, and this day and age where we live in and we go on, well, it's becoming a, a world government. And we see pieces and parts pulled together in regard to communication and finance and other things. And we're looking and going, this has incredible potential for everybody being connected, but it has incredible potential, both good and evil, right? Isn't that what we see? We look and say, in the wrong hands, this could be awful. In the right hands, it could be wondrous. But we're looking and saying, it's changing, and, and we're not sure how all that's going to work out. Here's a promise that came through Scripture. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Good Christmas passage, right? The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David over his kingdom. To establish it and to hold it, uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is linking a wonderful leader who deals justly with his followers. And it is tying it to David into a specific location and place. And this promise is made to to David. David was going to build a house for the Lord and he was putting things together. And the prophet Nathan came to him one, one day and said, you know, as noble as your intent is, this isn't for you. But the Lord has spoken and saying he's going to provide a son to build this. But he says, also there is coming through you a government that will endure forever. And so the people of Israel grabbed onto this promise and said, we're going to hang on to this one. This is amazing. We have that to look forward to. When the angel went to Mary, what is he quoting and what is he bringing to light? He said, he will be great and will be called son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. So the declaration is made about Jesus. This is the one the promise has been made. This is the hope that we have. Now, when Jesus died and rose again, the disciples who had had this promise of the Messiah or the Christ, you know, we use that term loosely, but it actually has meaning. It refers to the anointed one, the one who would rule, the one who would have this authority. The disciples are going, are you going to establish your kingdom now? In other words, they're going, We have this promise from the prophets. This has come through the centuries for us. We have this hope in you. You've risen from the dead. Is it time? And in their thoughts they're going, are you going to kick the Romans out? You know? Are you going to make this a really good place to live in? And Jesus responds to them, "It's it's not for you to know the time or the day. He makes this declaration. He doesn't say, no, they had it wrong. He's not saying, no, that's, the promise is there, but it's, it's going to be different than what everybody thought. Well, yes, it's going to be different, but it still has future application in a powerful way on this earth. And so there is this powerful hope to hang on to. Even for the disciples, they, they recognize the resurrection, They see the power of life over death, but they still know that there is an earthly manifestation to come. And so they're they're hopeful. Jesus essentially tells them, not yet. (laughs) But it's still a good hope. He says, your job right now (laughs) is to wait until power comes upon you through the Holy Spirit And then he says, you will be my witnesses. So he says, there is a job to do in this day. There's a purpose for this season. But he says, you're going to be receiving power as a result of this kingdom. But you are going to be my witnesses as well. So there is an outgoing of this thing. There is a manifestation of the kingdom on this earth going outward. You're witnesses of that. 
Let's go back to, uh, to John 3. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, Jesus tells him, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? So Nicodemus, a outwardly religious man, outwardly righteous, is told there has got to be a transformation inside of you if you're going to see the kingdom of God. You're going to participate in it. In other words, the kingdom of God is righteousness and, and holiness. And he says, to do that, you've got to step into righteousness and holiness. There has to be a new birth in you. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. First message Jesus gives, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's making this declaration. The kingdom of heaven, yeah, the, and kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are interchangeable terms. You find in the New Testament roughly 85 um, presentations of the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, and there are a few other phrases that go along with that. We're not going to hit all 85. Somebody say, thank the Lord. Okay. Okay. 1 John 3.8 Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So he says there's been this tension going on. There's been this practice of evil. There's been this submitting to the devil. There's been uh, He has ruled over people. He said what Jesus came to do was to break that hold and to change things. Colossians says this, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Again, dominion is another word for a kingdom or rule. And transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when we step into this new birth, this salvation, we are stepping into a new kingdom. Different rules, righteousness, is what is a part of this kingdom. He says in Matthew 10, and he sends them out, and he says, go proclaim as you go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, for you have received without paying, give without pay. When he sends out the 12, he's making this declaration, Satan has held people bound you have opportunity to see them set free. When the 72 were sent out, and you see their story in Luke chapter 10, it says they returned saying, even demons submitted to us. And Jesus says, you know, that's really cool, but there's something even more important. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, know that The kingdom manifests and has power over darkness. It has power over evil. But it's not just about you getting power. He says, your lives have been transformed. You're into something new that is eternal and going to go on forever. He says, you stepped into something amazing. Jesus made the statement of Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would have been fighting. He just tells them, you're not seeing this manifest in this way now. Okay. So, 
the kingdom is in us. And the question is, why is life still tough? <laughs> Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Eating and drinking, in a sense, is a, is a picture of the good life, right? When Jesus told us, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, or what you're going to drink, you know, it, it, it's that idea, these are, are very core things. And when life is sweet, there's the thing of saying, it's time to have a party. We're going to eat whatever we want. We eat whatever we want from Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas and New Year's. It's amazing until we recognize what's been happening inside. <laughs> you know? But that said, he's going, there's more to life than that. And he says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit exist even in the midst of struggle. There is a dimension of the kingdom of God that is powerful and wondrous even though there are complications along the way. It's interesting, in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul's writing and he says, the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but in power. You know, and, and we're tempted to isolate that verse and say, yes, this is what it all is about. Do you remember the preceding verses of what he had just walked through? He's talking about being an apostle, and he makes this declaration. To the present hour, we're hungry and thirst. <laughs> Remember, it's not about eating and drinking. Poorly dressed. I got a new shirt this week. Got complimented on it, too, there. <laughs> even though she's been abusing me about it for, <laughs> for three days. Had to wear it just because of that. <laughs> Poorly dressed. <laughs> if you don't like it, keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> I'm willing to hear if you like it, though. <laughs> Buffeted and homeless, we labor working with our own hands, Reviled, we bless. Persecuted, we endure. Slandered, we entreat. We become and are still scum of the world, refuse of all things. He's walked through that and said, not everybody's accepting of this. <laughs> not everybody embraces what we're about. But he says there's still a power. It's not just talk we've tied into. Incredible insight. James says, God chose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. So he's going, the kingdom does not necessarily equal wealth in this life. It may be connected, but it, there's no guarantee of that. But Paul at the end of life, he makes his declaration. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. He's saying what I've tied into, 
cannot be taken from me. What I'm a part of now is going to endure forever. What I have become associated with has an amazing longevity and enduring ability that is going to take me even through death. I want to go back to one Old Testament passage before I finish. In the book of Haggai, because I, we've talked about the kingdom internal, internal and eternal, right? But the recognition that there is a, a future manifestation on earth is something I don't want to avoid. So in Haggai, God was speaking and he says, once more in a little while, When an eternal God says a little while, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to a temporal being, right? We're kind of of the opinion, a little while, well, man, we've been waiting three days, three hours, three minutes, you know. Depends where you're at, right? Three minutes in the car waiting for another seems like a long time. Three days waiting for a phone call seems like a long time. Three years, you know, Got three years left of school. Forever. You know, 30 years, 300 years, 3,000 years. When you're God, a little while, oh yeah, it's coming. (laughs) It says, I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory. So he's saying, this site, the house of God, there's going to be a change in the whole world that brings honor to this setting in Jerusalem. Hebrews picks up that same passage and talks about, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So he's referred back to Haggai's prophecy and saying, What we have endures past any shaking that God's going to do. In fact, it's planted by Him. Thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Revelation. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven of God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So even in the New Testament, there's this future hope that we cling to. So that said, and I'm praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's still a lot that I haven't figured out. But I take these pieces, parts, so to speak, and I begin to pray, okay, your kingdom application in my life, what what do you want transitioned so that I step out of darkness in this area, so to speak, and into your light? What, What move into righteousness and holiness, joy in your Holy Spirit, what, what are you wanting to, to transform in me? 
and then let me embrace that wholeheartedly in you. Like you say, let me believe what you've declared. You know, let me speak life rather than wondering or doubting or moving and saying it just can't happen. So, you know, what, what's going on inside? And then, Lord, thy kingdom come. What are you wanting to do in driving back darkness, even in my neighborhood, or this community, or this nation? And let me pray into those things. And let us see that transformation. Let me be your witness. Let me speak life. Let light flow from my life. And we walk through that. And then, then we look and say, I long for your rule to be on this earth in righteousness and justice and truth. I long for what's taking place in heaven to be taking place on earth now. And so, Lord, I, I, I call on you, return and establish your rule. And then I look about the, and I say, let there be a physical manifestation on this earth of your glory as you've promised. As you gave through the prophets, as you've spoken through, through your Son, as we recognize the fullness and the completeness of his rule, where he establishes his kingdom as has been promised. Lord, we look forward to that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thank you for your scripture that speaks life. As we participate in communion and we recognize that you died for our sin, to bring us into this new life. Speak to our hearts specifically of how we can see that happen and, and be transformed by you even now. Amen. That was... Um, written by a journalist who had written a, an extensive essay on Saddam Hussein and he was much of what he was describing was tribal and then going to the strong man ruler who so dominated a, an area that you know if you disagreed you were put to death and so you know there was a submission to that in that kingdom so to speak and as I was reading that, I was contrasting that to the hope that we have of this kingdom that has justice and truth and righteousness as the pillars of its foundation. And you're going, that isn't normal, but that's wondrous and something to anticipate in the Lord. That's the promise that's held out to us. And we long for that day. We say, come and establish your kingdom fully on the earth. What a privilege it'll be to participate in that. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. Uh, remind you that there's a meal downstairs as well. May your blessing rest on these, your people.
May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy the intent that you have to rule in righteousness and justice and truth. As each one goes into the community as a witness of your kingdom, we pray that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the appropriate workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.